Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Rule the Roost podcast. This is a Rule the Roost proper, not one of those at all. Tim pot ten minute ones that we're sort of doing to lure the uh, lure the new generation in with. It's a, it's our new effort to like groom groom a new fan base. Not not all you miserable old ball bags that have been listening to us since day one. You know we know you. You like Stuart Lee. You read the Guardian. Ooh, you're so smart. You don't listen to fighting cock. You listen to rule the roost. Get you. Um, hi, love you all. How you doing, Raj? <laughs> Yeah, I'm not too bad. It's good that we alienated people. Right. I don't want to be sound like we're on like pedo hunters or anything with the Instagram stuff. I think we're just doing it for a laugh. Although I think we realised a few weeks ago the highest listened to ever episode of this podcast was called Non. Yeah. <laughs> so it, maybe that is uh, in, in brand for us. Just just so everyone's aware that we I think we did a film review of Spotlight at the time, which was... Uh, <laughs> is that what it was? Yeah, I, yeah, I forgot yeah. what it was. <laughs> no, because I, I, I had a little answer. listen after you said, because I was like, why the hell is this one so popular? But, uh, right. yeah. So. I, I want to re-watch uh, Spotlight, actually. I've not seen it for a while. It's a really good film. Yeah, it was decent. It was decent. Uh, we haven't done one okay. of our films. Maybe we should do a... We'll do a little extra pod at some point, doing some Standalone, of our film behind stuff. Standalone, behind Patreon. Yeah, that's it. Yes, that's it. Once we get Jack that... Jack and Roger's film session. Yeah, once we get that one rolled out, like, you know... I could do um fucking an hour on how shit that behind her eyes is. <laughs> it's... Oh. Let, all right, let's, let's give that a minute at the end behind her eyes, because I do want to talk about that. Because we've, um, we've now reached a point where we, we've stopped just watching programmes that we want to watch for ourselves, like we used to do back in the day. And now we have to watch things that our better halves actually want to watch with us, which is usually shit on Netflix. Um, so I'll text you and like, oh, have you, have you started to have to watch this one yet? And you'll be like, oh, this one's decent. This one's yeah. not. This one's utter dog shit, but she loves it anyway. Uh, but yeah, we can do that at the end. That, that sounds like a fun way to wrap up. The one that, uh, right, yeah, we'll save that for the end. I was going to say, though, the one that got me that I started, I was like, this is garbage. I'm not watching it. No, this is mind rotting. <gasps> She said, "What? Like was <laughs> selling sunsets? Like it got me, man. Like it got me hard." But no, I, I managed to sidestep that one because, um, luckily, with luckily with my uh, missus, she um, she works shifts because she works at the hospital. Um, so when she's on nights, she'll download some programs to watch because essentially she's on call, but she can't be on call from home. She has to be on site. Um, so that's when I'll be like, "Oh, that thing that I didn't fancy, but you want to watch. Why don't you download that to watch?" and that's how I, how I sidestep those sorts of things. Because me and reality TV, we don't really get on. Whereas me and like drama that is driven towards a female female audience, I'm there for all day. That's probably my wheelhouse more than anything. <laughs> um, reality TV, I'm just not on board with on sort of any level. Like when we were first getting together, I stomached Love Island a little bit just because like I was still courting. But uh, now I'll just go. Yeah, I'm gonna go into another room while that shit's on. I've always sort of thought I'd love to like I really want 
to get to the point where Love Island gets hit by the kind of you know the 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 sort of the woke thing of like why is everyone on there just chiselled and toned and stuff? Because oh, if it's not been hit by now, then it ain't ever gonna be true. But I want to I want to go on and just be like, yeah, I'm 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 thick. I'm representing and just sit there by the. Uh, by the pool all like, day. I want I want normal people to go on. I want like I've always said like somebody I went to school with or something, just as an example, just like, oh, here's Craig from Leeds. And he's just there like slapping asses and being like properly problematic and <laughs> being chucked out within a week and we're like, that's what these people really are like. Like Yeah. yeah. Well that's what I was saying because I just quite like to sit by the pool, moobs out beer rested on my belly do you know what I mean like I'm just having an existential crisis you've yeah. been on a date with this one I don't think she likes us lads I probably won't even be dating I'll just be like look I'm married I'm just here for, a lo- <laughs> for an holiday to be honest like do you know what I mean <laughs> you know there we go there should be like an honest um, subset of um, society that have on like a 45 year old man who's like unhappy within his marriage who's like going after the 20 year old women but is wildly successful with them for no good reason oh, he's mate, not attractive Wh- Wayne Lineker was just on celebrity <laughs> dating mansion <laughs> yeah, yeah anyway. that's true he's he's probably the the, uh, the the best example of that speaking of nonce busters oh dear he's <laughs> anyway Tottenham Hotspur I mean there's nothing you stopped yourself there <laughs> there's nothing <laughs> there's nothing much more to say than Gareth Bale at the moment is there yeah, I mean, it's been coming. It's been hinted at for a few weeks. I think this was, this was pretty much the cherry on top. It was getting there, and even the fact that like he had a little niggle where I thought, oh fuck, this is where he goes off and you know complains. He's got this thing and he's out for a month again. He just played through it, and I kind of thought, oh god, he's he actually looks functional and and like himself again to the point where it's not just what he's doing; it's how he's doing it. There's a confidence and a self assuredness there, and a a trust in his own ability and body that just wasn't there before, you know, blowing past Charlie Taylor, who admittedly is a fairly shit left back, but he looked like himself, the way he carried himself, the stupid little celebrations, uh, the way he's integrated into the squad, he looked, it was the summation of all of the stuff we've been waiting for to happen, so it was just, it was genuinely joyful as well, like, a minute in, and I was just like, oh, shit, that's bail, isn't it? And he scored, and it stood, because in this VAR day, you don't know if they're going to stand or not. And he was well onside, and timed it to perfection. It was, um... it, it, that was the thing. That was the worst thing about it for me. And that that's that, again. Not to... Uh, yeah, I don't want to kick it off on a negative thing and sort of old man shouts that cloud it, but <laughs> that's what VAR's done right. Because, honestly speaking, when Bale scored that goal, I didn't celebrate. Because I was just like, oh, he's offside, isn't he? Oh, well, they're going to check it. Oh, he's not. Quality. But that momentary kind of, like, release of emotions just gone. And it it kind of becomes more like a process thing as opposed to, like, raw emotion. It's like Tottenham are now 1-0 up. That is good, you know? <laughs> and it, But still, whatever, you know, it's it, it's better than being 1-0 down, isn't it? So Yes, no, no, no. Um, but, yeah, that was great. Uh, he seems to be Son seemed to sort of enjoy his role because people more concentrated on Gareth means that there's less people concentrated on him, gave him a bit more room. Same with Harry. Just defences are going to have to spread resources a lot thinner than they had done previously because there are three areas in which that they're going to be fucked. And, and here's the thing that 
when Gareth's playing this well, when we play Fulham on the weekend, Fulham stick two men on him. Son's free. Harry's free. Like We've got the attack there where it's not just one or two people now who can hurt you. It's back when we had the Delhi, Harry, Ericsson, Son days where any one of the four of them can hit you. We, we're back there now. Obviously, Lucas scored and I, I, maybe being a bit harsh on him because he, he was he was actually okay, but he's just it's clear when you've got those three that he's just not of the same level, and it, it feels like a better fit almost to have Delhi in there. It might be overkill somewhat. It might be better to hold Delhi back for when he needs to step up and you know playing Vinicius and other people and stuff like that. And that that there's probably credence in that thinking as well. But it would be nice to see all four of them just putting six past the team at some point and, and all four of them sort of linking up and stuff. There's something very exciting to me about the idea of players like Ndombele, Delhi, and Son in particular. Players who like are very good at acting on instinct and having those sort of momentary just flashes of inspiration all linking up and kind yep. of, I guess, providing for two solid finishers, like two predators. World class. Yeah, like Kane and Bale, who are just I mean, just being just saying that, mate, like Kane and Bale. That's that's like one, it's that mad sort of fantasy football stuff we used to talk about, isn't it? There was um there was a moment earlier on in the season, there was another picture from the weekend, but there was one earlier on in the season where the first time they had kind of like a celebration or embrace together on the field and it it looked like fan fiction. It looked like something that somebody would have like photoshopped or drawn five years ago. Like, oh, could you imagine if Bale and Berbatov were in the same team or we had Hoddle in this team or Ledley was playing now and stuff like that. Stuff that you do when you, your squad's just not up to str- scratch and you need more than one player to sort of rely on. And I think it's nice for Gareth that he's actually playing in a Tottenham team now where he he isn't carrying it as much as he used to. Like He obviously was the standout performer on the weekend, and it did feel a bit like 2012-13 again. But um, just the fact that he's got world-class talent all around him, that ball that he pinged across to Harry Kane, there's nobody back in the day that he could have done that to and got that sort of finishing reaction from. So it's um, yeah, it's amazing. I think um, I think this 11 that we played, sort of Lucas and Delhi. question aside, the defence is probably... The best back five we've got on paper, and they performed that way. Davinson was really good, and Toby was really good, and I think we we touch on the fact that those two probably give each other the most compliment that the that a partnership needs that we've got on our books at the minute. Davinson can do the running for Toby, Toby can do the the thinking for Davinson, um, and then the two fullbacks are are our best two fullbacks because you know Ben Davies is essentially a, an auxiliary centre back, and uh, Matt Dockett he's not really found his feet since he's come. Um, so it's a, we're getting there. The the foundations are there for us to be decent, and we saw that earlier on in the season. We just need to. The squad does need a lot of work, like we said. And it's again for Tottenham, it's that tier underneath. It's the it's padding it out, and it's building a better defense and stuff like that. And once we get there, and once we have a not just a solid eleven, but four or five underneath that will be there. And we're almost there because we've got Lamella who I think contributes well. Moore is not a bad squad option, I don't think. Uh, Lacelso, who we keep forgetting about, who we're probably the most excited about last season, hasn't really played. He seems no. to be made out of twigs. <laughs> um, so we're getting there. Oliver Skip's still to come back. Um, Harry Winks, 
a sort of he's, he's okay every now and then. I don't think we can really complain about having that type of midfielder on our books as a you know to slot in in Europa League games and Carlin Cup games and. I could even comfortably play him against a team like Fulham where yeah. it's going to be in midfield and he, he, we need to keep the ball and stuff. And I think he'd do a job there. And um, yeah, we just need to. We, we'd so, as always the case with Tottenham, we're so close, but yet so far. And I think it was easy for us to sort of bin everyone off when we did after we'd lost all those games in a row. And I think there was a. We were largely truthful in what we said. And I don't think there's any of that I would take back now. There's just a. A slightly more positive spin on on the outlook for the future than there may have been then, and that's just the fickle nature of being a football fan. And what a four nil win and a couple of wins in the Europa League can do compared to getting your ass handed to you every week in the league. I think it's, but it's that thing, right? Isn't it? It's, a, I guess it's it's. A, I'm about to go on a long winded way of saying you can only beat what's put in front of you. But the thing is, at the start of the season. And at various points throughout the season, Spurs weren't just beating what was put in front of them. So it, it is very easy, and I'm not I'm not saying this against you. I'm saying it as a general statement to, I guess, people trying to puncture the balloon of optimism, if you like, is that there might be this idea of, wow, you know, they beat Wolfsburger and then beat Burnley, but we beat them comprehensively and looked good doing it, which is something that Spurs haven't, they just haven't been doing since November now. Um, so it is, it is positive, and I think there is a lot to take from that. Sort of touching on what you were saying there with regard to Kane, um, how, you know, now he's got somebody like Bale, he's not just got Son, so there's not just that supply line of. Son to Kane, goal, or vice versa. Now we've got somebody like Bale that knows he can just twat a ball, what, 40 yards, and have somebody like Kane who, I mean, the finish was exceptional, but that that touch to set himself up was absolutely exquisite. And yep. there's, just, there's just moments like that that it's just so good now to see somebody being able to do this kind of thing for Kane. Like we're so used to seeing Kane provide that service to to other people, um, and then Kane more often than not, when it's not from a moment of brilliance from Son or previously Ericsson, I guess Delhi to yeah. a degree, having to pretty much create his own chances. Now having somebody that is just on that same level with Kane that can read him, knows what where he's going to be, what he can do, what he's capable of, and kind of provide that service provide those opportunities that Spurs I mean I can't see as maybe a prime Alderweireld could have played that ball but we haven't even really been seeing Toby do that lately um, no he's he, I mean he's knocked the odd decent one there was one in a game where he actually played a long diagonal to Deli Alley and I was like oh I remember when they used to do that yeah. it's not as it's not three or four a game as he used to do no I mean it's just it, it's all looking positive but you did have a nagging concern, didn't you, about the effect of, uh, shall we say, a new alpha dog on Harry's not, Harry's turf. It's not a concern. It's more of a. Um, it's more of sort of a. Well, you can call it a concern, actually. But, uh, <laughs> it. What it is is um, there's only so much food to go around, and there's only so much eating that a team can do. And you see this at big clubs, at City, and all sorts like. 
they have to share around what they have. And Tottenham isn't a club where we've really shared those responsibilities and those headlines much recently. It's all been Harry Kane. If it's not Harry, he's, he's the one providing Son and it's on his terms that somebody else is eating. Um, but with Gareth Bale creating his own stuff and just the stature of the man, the sort of awe around him, the relationship with the fans, it is... It's the first time since Harry's broken into the squad that he's going to have to share the limelight mm. a little bit and, and sort of not be the immediate leading man on the field. And have I'm sure he's still got that position in the team and people still know it's his club and he's the sort of, he's the face of the team and everything like that. But it does kind of detract from it a little bit when you've got somebody who is, you know, four champions league, Gareth Bale, you know, the club are... The club social media feed hardly mentioned Harry yesterday, and it's all Gareth Bale twenty four seven, and you know that wall to wall coverage. He seems to, you know, he's posting pictures with him, he's congratulating him, he's he's part of the process, and I'm sure there's part of him that's enjoying the fact that everything isn't on him, and some of the pressure's been lifted off him, and and you know the team is obviously going to be better for having a talent of that level there. But you know, the concern was, and the parallel I made was when it's a basketball reference. If, People aren't aware. And the Golden State Warriors won uh, a championship, and then they lost one in a historic fashion to the Cavaliers. And and they went out and signed Kevin Durant, who was widely viewed as one of the one or two best players in the world at the time. And that's coming into a team that is already looked as as looked at as the the best team, best franchise in the in the game at the moment in time. So it's like adding a adding a Gareth Bale to a Harry Kane and Hungman Son sort of a situation. And they already had things where you know. Players played their roles and people knew their position, but Steph Curry was the star and Steph Curry was the back-to-back MVP and you know people loved him and cherished him, but having this other alpha come in meant that he had to take a backward step and sacrifice a little bit of his production and his limelight and you know his starness to accommodate the other star. And they went and won another couple of championships together and that was all well and good, but when Kevin Durant then left, You've seen this year after his injury, Steph Curry's become himself again. Everyone's like, oh, fuck, remember how good he was? And I just don't know what effect that's going to have on Harry Kane because he seemed to thrive so much on the pressure and the responsibility of being the main man. I don't know if that slightly takes the edge off of him or he enjoys it or he flourishes. I just think it's, you know, the other parallel is, you know, a spree era the entertaining Newcastle side like you just don't know how many how mm. often or how many cooks can operate at once and it's just it might be nothing it might be a uh, looking for a problem where there isn't one which is probably you know a lifetime of supporting Tottenham's led me to the point where I, I kind of and just trying to <laughs> put a measure on how excited and, and over sort of how carried away I get with everything so it's um that's just what that was just something in the back of my mind that I sort of I kind of noticed as as Gareth Bale's taking off, Harry Kane's sort of there as the number two, and I'm like, oh, is he is he going to be all right with that? How's he going to cope with not being de facto star man? And like I say, it could yeah. be nothing, but it's it's one to keep an eye on as the as the season goes on because you, you just don't you don't want it to become that Mane Salah thing of you know he doesn't pass to him or all that sort of shit, and I I don't think he will because I think he's He's above all that, and if anything, the way he's he set up Son and, and has sort of you know took a, a lesser forward step to to set him up and make more of his talents, it probably shows that he's 
he's got the mental ability and and puts the team first in in more of a manner than than the Liverpool front line may have done. Yeah, that's that's the funny thing because I think like because I agree, I you know I do, I I don't I don't agree per se because I don't think you're particularly putting anything out as in this is my position on it. Um, but I, I kind of I see I do see that school of thought on a on a very human level. I think there is always going to be that kind of air of jealousy i suppose when it's like hey you know i'm 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 one of your own i'm the one that's supposed to be the kind of like the the big boy here everyone's been singing about me and talking about me for the past few years but i do i do tend to think when you look at kind of somebody like kane and we look at his story to this point and what drives him although he does seem to often note that he feeds off of negative energy as in people doubting him i think in a kind of in a there's a there's a venn diagram right this is one of my one of my things i was i'd say there's a there's a venn diagram of something here because i can't think of another way to put it but of just the fact that it, it it's not coming from a negative place but the the competition and the healthy competition to be alpha i think will push a character like Harry Kane. That that's the first point of call. I think he is somebody that he is driven by personal success. I don't think we can we can avoid that. He is. He is driven by scoring goals. He is driven by breaking records on a personal level. However, where I think and I I don't buy that it's some lily white spectacles nonsense bias. Where a lot of other fan bases, I think, who are not emotionally attached to him, see him as somebody who's inherently selfish, as a kind of... There's this weird, especially with Liverpool fans, there seems to be this bizarre narrative that Harry Kane is like an, an actual active scumbag. Like, he's a, he's an unpleasant guy who is self-interested, who is whatever, and I... I I just think that is that's a totally woeful misreading of the situation. I don't think he's that guy at all. I think he's obviously a guy who has come from a place of probably being quite at some point in his life, you know, and he has kind of hinted at this before with his Harry's razors like campaign about mental health and stuff. Probably a guy who in the past has had mental health struggles or at least had you know an air of self doubt there is there is a lot of in what harry says that you know i've i've noted from personal experience from listening to other people's anecdotes about mental health where i think it is something he's worked on is claiming back his kind of his mental health thinking positively of of almost like a kind of like cognitive behavioral therapy if you like where yeah. He... Well, there's something in him that I think we can both identify with is that he was a bit of a chubby kid, wasn't he? Yeah. And you don't ever, you don't do you ever shake that. I'm svelte as fuck, mate. Like, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, you, you, it's one of those things yeah. you don't ever shake. I mean, it, my adult life, I've, I've not been the same way as I was as a kid. And even growing up, I sort of shed that. But as a kid, I was one of the... Because I was just bigger than everyone else. I was bigger in both directions. Yeah. Um, and it is something that knocks your confidence and plays on your head. Even as you grow older, there's... There's still an element of me now, as I am, that will ask to ask my missus, like, oh, does this look all right? Am I, am I looking all right? And sort of do take a bit more extra care about that because it's something you just, you do carry with you. And I think that's that's probably a thread that 
you know, having seen the pictures of him and his missus from when he was a kid with David Beckham, he's probably got as well to some degree. Yeah, and and I I think he 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 does as a result of this have that kind of self concern, but also he is a team player, like you like you said. You know, it it's it's not just the Harry Kane show. He 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 has adapted his game to incorporate Son since you know. And I don't think we can take this away from Mourinho entirely, even though we've, you know, or I've had a wobble with him kind of in the past few weeks. One of the things I will kind of still stand by is that I think he has empowered Son in a different way than Pochettino probably did before, at least he utilised him differently. It's kind of what we touched on at the start of the season. I still think it stands. And Kane's embraced that. Kane hasn't been kind of jealous and unhappy that he's got somebody sharing the load with him in that kind of attacking sense. And I reckon having someone like Bale there is going to be... Because ultimately, I think Bale uh, Kane has that kind of winner's mentality of like, yeah, he wants to get the personal records, he wants the accolades, but he probably also knows, and is probably hitting that point, that it doesn't really mean shit if the team isn't winning anything. And I think and he I think... is desperate now for Tottenham to win stuff. And he's he's only going to look at a player like Gareth Bale. Like you say, somebody who's now slapping out his balls along with his Champions League winner's medals and saying, right, let's have this. Yeah. And thinking like, well, we've got a cup final coming up. We've got a decent run to potentially a Europa League final, which is... It's not a Champions League, but it's a it's a major piece of we're, silverware. We're still no places no. as a club to be turning on. No, it's a whatsoever. major piece of silverware. It's a major yeah. piece, you know. It's um, bit, bigger than the FA Cup. It's big. It's bigger than, prob- well, I mean they've won an invincible season, but it's you know, Ars- look, let's not let's not let them kid themselves. Arsenal would be absolutely gassed to win a Europa yeah, League. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like it, yeah. it, it's. That would be huge for them, especially and, where they are now. Yeah, and and equally, if I if I saw Arsenal in the Europa League this season, I'd fucking hate it. I'd hate oh, yeah. it almost as much Massively. as seeing them win the Champions League. You know, mm-hmm. Al- almost but, not quite as much. It's interesting with the Europa League. It sort of it still is the booby prize, and for those first few weeks and and probably the group stages, you're kind of going, oh, we're going to fucking out of Siberia and here and there to play these teams you've never heard of. And, you know, that guy's just come off his cattle farm to play in goal and everything. But when you get to this point of it, that stigma goes and it's the good teams that are left, the teams are dropping from the Champions League, all that sort of shit. And you, you're a few games away from a European Cup and you've got ties like Man United, AC Milan, and suddenly the Europa League becomes a a more attractive proposition that people sort of, suddenly sort of forget they were slagging off two months ago and they're actually interested in again and I think I don't think the players are like turn their nose up at it at all I think they they want to win it and they know it's a a route back into Champions League as well and I think the club are more than aware of that as well so um, that should be a, a huge prize for us I was about to say as well um, with the, the Kane point this is almost to play devil's advocate against myself um, the only other option for him to try and win something now would be to leave and if his concern with Bale being there that I've reported myself is that he's going to have to share a bit more and, and not be the man who's front and centre every single game. And I still think there'll be games where roles are reversed and 
Gareth setting him up and Harry's knocking in at tricks because they've made the mistake of, you know, over committing to Gareth and all that sort of shit. Um, is that if he went anywhere else, the sort of club he'd go to, again, he wouldn't have half the stature he does at Spurs. No. And he would have to sacrifice more and fit in more. You've seen it with countless players going Look to... Look at Eden Hazard. Out. Yeah, exactly. Hazard, but not just that, but the likes of Jovic and stuff like that, who, who are brilliant strikers in their own rights and excellent in the teams they've come from. And then they're just no entities when they go to bigger clubs and just don't don't hit that mark. So it's... And even if he was to go to a team like City, he wouldn't... He won't, We've said this before, he wouldn't play as much as he wants to. He'd get rotated all the time. There'd be Jesus playing the odd game. He'd take him months to get fully integrated. And he'd be frustrated that he's not playing in certain Champions League group games or he's been rested for a game against Fulham or Palace that he reckons he could score two or three in. His best situation and sort of the mo- the place he's going to feel more, most comfortable and get the most out of his career is at Tottenham. And it's our job as a club to match his ambitions and make him happy enough to stay because I don't think it is a hard it is that necessarily a hard thing for us to persuade him to stay because we are the best situation for him for his age for his career and all that sort of shit he's probably made more money and everything than he ever thought he was going to do all the endorsements of his shit he's got going on like it's all it is rosy we just need to match that with actually giving him some job for Millman at the same time and perhaps the the Bale thing will help and you know playing with Bale like this might help if if we can sort of ride this out until the end of the season and and take him on a free or whatever we're going to do or we've got an option to extend the loan for another year or whatever the fuck it is that's another persuasive factor for Bale and Son for Kane and Son to want to stay another year it's for perspective players wanting to join the team, come and play with Kane, Son, Harry Kane, uh, Gareth Bale, sorry. That's what players go to clubs to try and do. And yeah, I think it's, um, I think it's good. And I think it's sort of, it could be a, it goes one or two ways. And, and the reason why I said what I said before is, like I said, there's, there's the Tottenham fan in me that knows that some things are too good to be true. And there's always, you know, the other shoe's always bound to drop at some point. But hopefully, that isn't the case this time around. We'll, we'll see. We've, the, the, the golf um, course is open towards the end of the month, so if his form fucks off then, then we uh, we know why. If we're talking fanfic, right, because you sort of you brushed on it before um, with the Kane and Bale picture, let me, let me expand the fanfic further and then pose you a question at the end of it, right? We go on now have a sort of decent end to the season, finish, say, sixth, right? Bale carries on, chugging along in the league, doing pretty well, but scores the winner in the League Cup final, or at least contributes in a big way. We beat Manchester City in the League Cup final, and then we also win the Europa League, and Bale plays a big part in that. So basically, Bale ends the season in this vein of form that he's in now, do you keep him for another year next year? Do you extend the loan or do you have this as the the happy goodbye? A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. 
Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. I think it's a catch-22, but I think the only real option is to keep him. At that point, I'll do everything within your power to keep him. And the only way that you don't do that is if Madrid suddenly want to reintegrate him into the squad, which I don't think they want to do, and I don't think he'd actually be up for doing, um, unless they binned off Zidane and you know some new coach went there and, and suddenly wanted him there. Um, but I think you have to keep him because... Um, if we suddenly drop off next season and it's because, you know, our attack's not as good or something and, you know, suddenly we've got the only option we've got is Lucas Moore or something on that side or Steven Bergwijn and it's not just and it's not the same. People are gonna be going, look, it's it's cheap Enoch, it's cheap Levy, it's you know, we didn't keep the player that we needed to keep. We we had the option to keep and we should have done this, we should have done that. I think mm. it's a stick to beat the club with and as nice as walking off into the sunset is I don't think we necessarily... I think that is, again, you as a Tottenham fan managing your own expectations because you you don't take that as a springboard. You take that as a finishing line. And the flip side of that is Gareth Bale's got the hunger back. He's got the winning back. He goes to play a good Euros with Wales. He's fitter than he's been for years. He's more passionate than he's been for years. He's more integrated and invested in a club than he's been for years. He's happier with a team than he's been for years in terms of his actual teammates and, and people he wants to play with and for. And that then gives us, what, two generational talents, several world-class players in the making, a young spine, an exciting team to build around and the experience there more than anything to go and do something next season that you know we were talking about at the start of this one but weren't really in a position to. So it's I I personally think unless he breaks down, he's badly injured or anything like that, and such what he isn't. If he carries on playing the way he is now for the next three four months, we have to we have to do everything in our power to to keep him at the club another year. Yeah, completely agree. And I think, at, at the very at the very least another year. Yeah, I mean on on a personal level as well, I think we all want a chance to get into the ground to see him. And I, yeah, I, massively. I, th- I think the powers that be at the club will probably realise that as well. Like, he's going to be a big draw to fill up a stadium, which people... I mean, to be honest, I don't think there'll be any trouble filling up the grounds no. to the capacity that's allowed as soon as no, people it's, are it's allowed It's less the in, crowd, but... though, Jack. It'll be like... Um, I imagine this morning when... Daniel Levy's opened up his emails to see his retail um, spreadsheet and, you know, however many thousands of Gareth Bale shirts are suddenly flown off the shelves. He'll be having a quiet little tug to himself and his eyes will be turning to fucking cash registers <laughs> as he realises 
put Gareth Bale at the front and centre of his next squad launch, Nike, even though he's an Adidas athlete, Nike will be going, oh, fucking hell, he's doing a roaring trade, like, alongside Harry Kane, like, having those two and all the promotional stuff. Yeah. Being able to possibly take him to fucking Hong Kong or China, wherever the fuck we're going to go this year, probably not America, because that's still a COVID shit show, but wherever the fuck we're allowed to go, if we are allowed to go pre-season somewhere, there's a, a commercial element to this that is going to... Um, tickle the club's balls as well as a, as a footballing one so it's do, do you know one thing that like I, I do quite like about this just whilst I whilst I remember it is that in terms of like the kind of synergy of the uh the front three I do almost like that there is a kind of like segue between Son and Kane in Bale like there was a, there was a nice or like one of the pictures from the sideline although it was obviously Bale doing his Welsh Mafia, which he's appropriated apparently from Make a Wish, which is uh, <laughs> what the WM was originally. It was Son, yeah, he he uh, done it for the Make a Wish Foundation in Korea, I think I'd heard. But then Bale's turned it into Welsh Mafia, which you know, well, it's probably a bit problematic, problematic on a certain level. But you know, it's I think it's just a bit of fun, isn't it? But um. I think he's just a simple lad of influence. Yeah, exactly. I don't think he means anything exactly. by it. I think he's... Um, but and Lucas doing his L. But I, I don't know if you saw in the background, like you had like Lucas Bale and Son lined up, all kind of having a laugh doing that. In the background, you got Harry Kane, who's not fucking having any of that. Like he's <laughs> not doing any of those like handshakes yeah. and fucking gang signs and shit into cameras and all that. Do you know what I mean? Like, and I yeah, think. Yeah. That's quite nice in a way that like Son sort of has that big dog fun character he can play around with in that sort of level. The way he did with Delhi. Yeah, but also like have the sort of no nonsense head screwed on gammony type in Kane as well. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? That just ain't gonna have it. Reminds him of his dad. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Christ, have you watched the Sun documentary? Yeah, yeah. that's why I keep mentioning yeah, his daddy oh, terrifies the shit out of me. Oh, mate, he's scary, isn't he, man? Like, uh, well, it's scarier for white people, I imagine, because you've never grown up with yeah. ethnic parents. Yeah. But I'm like, oh shit, that's bringing back some fucking traumatic <laughs> memories for me. <laughs> he's, uh, yeah, I, I just, I like that. I like that synergy between between the front three and. You know, I I think we're at that point now where if Gareth Bale continues in this form, like you said, how can you not? How can you not? But um, let's uh, let's because you know we I think we could probably talk about this. Let's not run before we walk though. This is exactly he's been exactly. good for probably a month, and it's been Mate, leading to this crescendo, you, and now he has to do this consistently. We don't need this as one game. We need to do it. He to him to do this for. You know, four, five, six more games and actually winners a handful more games to justify that and do it in a big game against a big opposition. If he dicks Arsenal again single-handedly and Harry will be oh, turning up Oh, he's coming that, for them. Those two, they both love... If they fucking oh. Eiffel Tower at Arsenal, oh, then, I, then <laughs> just pay his wages. That's it. Oh, just just high-fiving over Burnt Leno. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. That's, that's what we want to see. Um... What uh, we can, I mean, we can go on about this forever, but yeah, but like you say, yeah, we could be two weeks' time looking at Bale's out, his hips have gone, Kane's ankles are gone, and Son's up front on his own again with Lucas. So, you know, and asking to move abroad, let's hope not. Um, 
We did have a question because we asked a few questions, and it's quite a good point to chuck this one in. Um, from Elliot Graham at Elliot J Graham, who asks, "How much of yesterday's success was down to management, or is it more of the players taking control of the situation?" And that's I, I, that is quite an interesting one, really. I'm not. We have to be fair, do don't we? Because we 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 can't be one of those fan bases or those people that. As soon as something goes wrong, it's only the manager's fault and the the players are absolved of all sins. We we I think and we I think we've been measured enough to say that it's a a balance of both. That's why we wanted to do that um, episode where we talked about how shit the the majority of the squad might be mm. uh, because even though Mourinho could and should be doing more with them as we saw yesterday, um, it's not entirely his fault. So in this and in the same way. Yesterday can't be a Mourinho masterclass entirely. It's just an element of that. And I think one thing that I'd said previously was he's going to have to, at some point, swallow his pride if he wants to arrest this slide because he's going to have to reintegrate Daly. He's going to have to do more with Gareth. He's going to have to switch the focus of the team from defence first to attack first because defending first is causing us a whole lot of shit. We used to do that thing, which had to have come from Mourinho uh, to some degree of going 1-0 up and then not building on it. And we suddenly have... There seems to have been a change in intent and confidence, which is probably natural after the, the slight run we've been on and stuff, where we are attacking first and we're taking a little bit of pressure off the defence because the defence has been sort of the, the most... Um, what am I trying to say? It's more of an attacking team than it is defensive team, which yeah. we weren't at the start of the season. So, a certain degree of that is going to have come off the, the training ground. So, it's a, a balance of two things. I think it's he is somewhat responsible for it, but he's not wholly responsible for it. And I think that's the same with with any manager in any squad. They, these aren't school children who are who are simply going to go out and do what they're told. They are some of them world-class individuals and professionals who have been playing this game for decades and they know what their their sort of responsibilities and jobs are to do. So there's a certain degree of them just doing them better. But it's not it's not all that because if that was the case, they would have just been ignoring Mourinho all season and, and doing it regardless. So I think it's it'd be disingenuous not to give him any credit and I think he deserves some, but at the same time, we can't suddenly think he's... Um, he, he's shit and they've done it in spite of him or whatever so yeah and I think it's another because in that respect yeah you know it, I agree pretty much entirely with what you've said there I think another sort of facet to this is that when we are looking at the defence because I guess this is this is a natural point to bring this in as well I have found it interesting how he has now juggled having Dyer and Sanchez, well, he's essentially alternated them playing alongside Toby Alderweireld, which we were saying in the last episode. I'm not saying he's listened to us, but before before we'd played against Wolfsburger, we'd sort of clamoured for the opportunity for Sanchez or Dyer to be playing alongside Alderweireld in that Nabet role to see them have a bit more kind of solidity. I guess so. They're not looking to their right or to their left and seeing a guy who's equally shot for confidence um, yeah. playing alongside them. And surprise, surprise, 
We've kept two clean sheets. Again, not against the most potent attacking sides, but still, clean sheets are clean sheets, and we haven't been keeping them. Um, we were we were conceding silly goals as well, goals that we just shouldn't have been conceding against teams that we shouldn't have been conceding them against. So, um, and you see that confidence borne out in Hugo as well. Mm. And it, I think I kind of think that he's often, as goalkeepers are, the first ones to to bear the brunt of any sort of um, defensive mishaps. But you see it time and time again. If a defence is unsettled, it unsettles the goalkeeper. When a defence is settled, the goalkeeper is more confident and more able to just play his own game rather than constantly going, oh, shit, these lads in front of me aren't up to anything. He's uh, he's a tough one, isn't he, Hugo? Like Because I'm still... I do understand like the concern. I definitely The thing that I definitely want to see Tottenham do is spend real money on a successor to Hugo, but not an immediate successor. I'm talking kind of your 22, 23-year-old random German lad who I've never heard of, plays at FC Currywurst, who, <laughs> you know, apparently all the all the stats lads will say they've always heard of, but they haven't really, you know. Yeah. Um who will just come in and look solid and be a good keeper for many years to come. Because I, I don't want to see a spending 50 mil on someone like Nick Pope. I'm, I'm sure Nick Pope is a, he's a very good keeper. He didn't particularly look like one yesterday, but... you know. you see that still of him face-planting? <laughs> no, I haven't actually. No, but... it's, it's worth Googling. There's a, I'm running through Twitter. There's, yeah, after, I think it's after Kane's goal. He's literally arse over tit, neck at a 45-degree angle, facing the ground. I mean, I think if we're going to purport this kind of English exceptionalism, I think we also need to accept the fact that, you know, the English cannot produce goalkeepers at all. So that's always a that's always a warning sign for me too. Um, I think if we, I think if the, the thinking behind having an English keeper and spending money on an English keeper is it helps the quota as well. But um, it's not about quota, mate. It's about it's about English, right? That's what it's about. It's about having someone proper in goal, right? Um, <laughs> But yeah, I, can't, I, I do like the look of Dean Henderson at Man United as well, but I think well, they're going to have his pants down to pay for him as well. Oh, they, so. they won't let us anywhere near him, though, will they? Like, So it's... um, it's uh, And there's no guarantees with him. He's played, what, one season in the Premier League with Sheffield United and then the odd game in the Europa yeah. League for Man United. It's just... You're not... Like you say, there's, there's probably a smarter way of doing it where you spend 30 to 40 million on some 20... Like you say, some guy in their early twenties from Spain or Germany or something, um, and you know we pull him out of a club that's not as good as us, and he's becomes our number one in the season or two, and put some pressure on Hugo, and Hugo can be put out to pasture in a more um, acceptable manner. The, the other side of this is um, with Hugo's contract coming up and stuff. If PSG send us a lump of cash, then uh, I think. Daniel's probably going to be one that's going to pull a trigger on that because um, it does seem as if the club are bracing themselves for that sort of an approach because it's not as if uh, PSG are, are um, happy at the minute with their goalkeeping option. Yeah, I mean, oh, I just I. Whenever these kind of options are floated, as in like, how can we, you know, should we let Hugo go? For Whenever I actually think about the reality of Hugo Lloris going. I don't like it in the respect no. to that. 
well, on a personal level, just because he's been like one of the one of the best keepers we've ever had. But yeah, it's just I, I I still think to have a replacement now, you're spending a lot of money still, a lot of money, which I I still don't buy is critical. Like I I get it if if we are putting him in under like a a microscope and analyzing to a, a real kind of harsh perhaps not even that harsh a degree but if we're looking at his failings yeah he's not perfect but i don't think he ever has been no. but he is still a hell of a lot better than a lot of other premier league goalkeepers and as we continue to say if we even want probably somebody at hugo's level let alone better, you are getting into that territory of your oblacks and such, right? Yeah, but you're not. The thing is, you're not guaranteed to be getting an amazing player when you spend a shitload of money, either. Like um, Kepper at Chelsea, yeah. the world record fee for him, and he would dog shit. He, um, and he is. He, con- he continues being so. Civ- Everton spent all that money on Jordan Pickford in a very similar way that we have been linked to do for Nick Pope, and he's. You know, a liability. He's atrocious. He's re- like, he's just bad, you know? Um, yeah, who knows? Um, so we've got, in this, it caused a bit of beef in our mentions, actually, which is oh, quite right. interesting. Daniel Platt at Voodoo Chopsticks asked, What's the lowest quality manager you could have put in charge of the Spurs team yesterday and still won it? Would Tim Sherwood have won that game with the quality at his disposal? Which the beef was caused by Johnny Blaine at John O'Blaine. Um an opta statistician. Statistician how do you say that? Come on, help me out, mate. Statistician. Statistician. There you go. Um who said that it's pathetic that we win a game and the manager gets absolutely no positive comments and every defeat is solely down to him, which we've touched on there. So, John, I hope you realise, Johnny, if you are listening, that we, uh, we're we fighting the fight on that one. We'll, we'll give Mourinho's dues. But as uh, I, I guess Daniel's point, really, um, is do we just have good players or is Mourinho doing a really good job? And I, I guess we've sort of... Not a really good job, okay. I've probably I've said that too flippantly, but is Mourinho turning this around? Our definitive um, point on it. I mean, there's a case that he he has the the ability and, and tools to do so, and he's definitely got the contract that would allow him the time to do so. Like um, like we said with Bale, he wins the Europa League and the League Cup. Do we stick with him for next year? I don't see a world in which we can get rid of a manager that's won no. that for us, can we? No. And if the players are buying in, and, and the one thing that I, I didn't mention earlier that I should have said is when we're talking about Mourinho and stuff, is um, the one thing that the papers are quite keen on saying, and it's clearly been briefed to them, is Harry Kane really likes him. Um, and that's a, a big thing for us. Mm. One of the main men in the dressing room is still pulling for him. Even if there's people... Who are clearly briefing the other way and going, oh, he never trains attacking situations. It's always boring going forward, all that sort of shit. And like we said with that on Dembele, um, interview client clearly thinks he's a bit of a dick. Like um, it don't matter as long as they're winning and they're happy winning, and that's the most important thing. People will put feelings like that to the side to win football games and to win trophies, and and if that happens, then amazing. And I kind of think that you know we would. It either ends this summer or we win something. I think that's the 
that's the way it goes. I can't. I can't imagine everyone loves Pep Guardiola who plays under him. You know. No, people. People don't. People have come out and I can't remember who it was the other week that came out and said he destroyed his confidence or whatever. Whatever club he was at, it was. Um, it was one of the teams that they were playing in. They played Munchen Gladbach in the week, didn't they? And it was whoever played for them that had played for him previously had come out and slagged him off. And Pot- you, you, Potts you know, jettisoned his fair amount of players as well. You know? Yeah, and Dembele sort of in that same interview made made it sound as if Potts, you know, wasn't the greatest loss in the world to him either, which you know is is interesting. So it's it's one of those where I think we just got to strike a balance now. I think it's a, it's a shame that people seem to have already made their minds up about it all and, and seem you know. Intent on not really being happy as a Spurs fan until he's gone, which just seems counterproductive. Um, especially if you know we've been through a bad patch, and and here's the best the best possible scenario for this is this bad patch has taught him a level of humility that he has previously been unable to accept because he's been so sort of wrong headed that he's just carrying in the way he has. And there's been several things I think he's done already that. He just wouldn't have done at previous clubs or in previous situations. The reintegration of Deli Ali, the the sort of the way Tangi's come back into the team, the the slight more attacking nature of the side and stuff like that. He's made concessions and done things in a non-Mourinho fashion that he hadn't done previously. And I don't think the man's perfect. I don't think he's an embodiment of the club or fan base in the same way Pochettino was. But to completely write him off and stuff is just seems to be cutting off your nose to spite your face and, and, and be slightly more feeling more self-important in your own um, opinions and ideals than the actual you know success of the football team um, so it's it's one of those where there's, there's a fine balance to all of this and, and sort of we are all kind of having to put our emotions and feelings to one side to, to see us win under a manager that we previously didn't think he would ever be near our club so it's um it's an interesting one for us. It's just I, I, I yet to see how that goes because if you have a, a supposedly wrong-headed manager in one hand and then a fan base who have their own wrong-headed sections of that are just going to constantly clash. Mm. I don't know where that leads. Are, are people still going to... If we do go on a tear now and win two cups and, and stuff, are people still going to be calling for his head or they're going to go, no, oh, it's only because Gareth Bale came back and he was decent. Like, don't I don't know why... Or how that that sort of resolves itself. It's um, it's, it's I I am at a point now where I take my pleasure in Tottenham winning and how we win to a certain extent, and who is responsible for that is somewhat secondary to that. And I understand that. And then we wrote about this and we talked about this loads with Pochettino. Is the journey and the emotion of it all was so important and it was such a huge thing, but at the end of the day, what we don't have anything really to show for it other than good memories. And I'm not one of those, he has to win a trophy sort of a people because what he did was you know, more important than that. Uh, and I don't want to reduce that, but it's, at the end of the day, we kind of want to win shit and remember it at the same time. Yeah. So we've got to kind of strike our own balance within our own head of, of how we go about that. It, it, this isn't a a Tim Sherwood situation where the man is a, a daily embarrassment to the club. He, like I say, this is probably the best version of Mourinho we've seen since, as a personality, since his what Inter Milan days, maybe. Mm. I think it's 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 that type of because I definitely agree because there has been there's been a bit of a 
Carlos, should we just say a subtle simmering of toxicity the past few weeks with Mourinho? But when you juxtapose that with, you know, kind of the the dying embers of Mourinho at Manchester United or even his time at Madrid or the second half of his time at Chelsea, I do buy the idea that, as, you know, he said, or at least was reportedly said to Daniel Levy, in their early meetings, I've learnt from that, and I am going to try and come back a different person. And I do, I do almost feel like you can see Mourinho wanting to go for Mourinho, and th- there's been little bits where the mask has slipped here and there. But I do think again, and I do think this, this probably plays into the lack of credit that I think Daniel Levy gets on this issue is I do still think Mourinho does realise he is he's got to behave well here. You know, he 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 is on his his last chance because I think if he if he absolutely flops here at Tottenham, if he doesn't win anything now, if he got sacked in three games time because he's lost to Fulham and then to Palace and then he got sacked, that to, that's the end of Mourinho to me. Like that that is his the end next, of it. His only option after that is what Wolves or the Portuguese national team. Or or China. You know? It's that. It's that's when he goes out to pasture, you know? And I don't mean that in this kind of, you know, Eurocentric kind of dodgy sense about oh he's going to go managing China, but you know what I mean? It is still being put out to pasture in a footballing sense in, 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 in many ways. Like Rafa Benitez did. Yeah, and well, there is that, or he, he takes a giant contract from a club that's beneath him. He goes to a. Has he done a that already? <laughs> <laughs> he, yeah. Touche. Yeah. Um, um, but, yeah, I, I mean, if we are so sort of thinking about getting towards the end, we've got quite an interesting one here Jack Law at Custard Creams, Creams of a Z. He, uh, he says, Is there a more joyous feeling in football or life in general? than watching Gareth Bale score, assist, and run past players like yesterday. And kind of running with this theme, because we have dedicated basically 40 minutes of this podcast just waxing lyrical about Gareth Bale. Yeah, don't stop yet. I'm getting close. (laughs) (laughs) There is just something exciting about the momentum now that that Tottenham are building. I don't think it's knee-jerk because I'm not, and I honestly don't, because we, we have speculated all season long that Gareth Bale is potentially going to show up at the business end of the season. That you know We've said before, we've rallied against the kind of the early cries of, no, nope, he's done, he's finished, look, he can't even play two games in a week. Well, he's done that now. Um, he's not showing up even in the Europa League, but he's doing that now. He's showing up in the Premier League now. Um, we'd noted at the start of the season, this is a fellow that hasn't played football properly for a long time. It is going to be a learning curve yep. for himself to manage his body in this latter stage of his career, his own development. Cause you know, I think we're always, we're always developing until the end, basically in, in many this ways. Could be and a, forms. This could be a, a start of a second chapter for him. Precisely. You know, this is, it's, it's a big thing, and it, 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 if because he was on the verge of going to China, so like you said, going out to pasture, like he's in a 
He's in the most public league in the world, playing a significant part now, touch wood, hopefully, in one of the biggest teams in that division. And a year ago, that didn't seem like a possibility for him. He no. seemed like he's, he's like meaningful days or of relevancy in, in a meaningful sense in football was done and he's he's not even in a, a small sense he's not where, where my head is at now is that I was honestly and I you know I'm a I'm a dreamer and I do think even though I kind of like wear this badge of being a bit of a kind of pessimist and stuff I do I Really, I am. I am an optimist at heart. I do like to think I am, and I'm self-depreciating, and I can be quite droll and stuff. But a lot of that's bravado. I, I, I do, I do. I am generally a hopeful person. I do envisage a world, a time in which things can be better, hopefully, and that extends to Tottenham and. For the past, probably since kind of, you know, we lost to Liverpool at Anfield and the wheels came off a bit and Spurs have started to just look like an absolute shit show. I've been thinking ahead to the to the League Cup final and as soon as I knew we were playing City, honestly, honestly speaking, I felt like 0% chance. We're not even talking like decimal point percent chance none of the it's a cup final anything can happen I've firmly just been like zero percent we're winning that now I'm suddenly like you know what like this is this is kind of the way we're playing these sort of green shoots now it's not to say we're going to win it it's not to say that City aren't still an impressive team but now I'm starting to think well you know because I saw a, like a, a tweet thread the other day, somebody talking about the fact that essentially, right now, yes, City look at brilliant. They look absolutely exceptional. But at the same time, almost in the way that Spurs at the top end of the season were with Kane and Son, City are pretty over-reliant on the ridiculous form and over-performance of Diaz and Stones right now. Like they they are essentially the defensive equivalent of what Kane and Son were for us at the top end of the season, and take nothing away from City, they're a, they're a fantastic team. They've obviously spent a lot of money. I mean that is what it is, but Guardiola is a great manager. There's obviously a method to what they're doing there, but I think there's a bit of galaxy braining going on in terms of the whole. Has Guardiola planned this all along? Did he? purposefully want them to look a bit crap at the start of the season so then he could no, that's a spring a trap have you seen that doing the rounds no, though no, like no, yeah no, you know no. whereas actually when because this i can't i the thing is i think we all know what it's like we're, at the moment we're all staring at screens we're looking at twitter instagram reading blogs watching stuff it's hard to remember exactly who's saying stuff so i apologize if i'm nabbing someone but i'm letting everyone know this isn't an original thought of mine the the summary of this tweet thread essentially was that yes, City are very good, but Gundogan is massively overperforming, and Diaz and Stones are massively overperforming. Yeah. Are they peaking too soon? Uh, you know, anything can happen in this league. It's not that I think they've won the Premier League. That's not oh, to yeah. say they won't. But can Spurs now spring a surprise in a League Cup final? Yeah, I think they can. One-off game. 
You know, I think they can now. And Guardiola's got a, a history of overthinking those type of fixtures, yeah. especially against against Mourinho. us. He just likes he likes to go as a, as my city mate Alex, who's been on this pod before, full bald, where they just <laughs> say the bald man shows up when when Pep has one of his weird days where it's not Guardiola anymore; it's just the bald man, and he decides to. Have this, and I think partly. I, I mean, I still think it. Whatever people say about the, he wanted to manage that first leg of that Champions League tie. It was arrogance. I think sometimes Pep falls into that thing, and they're only human. But I still think there's that side to him that he just he lets his own ego run away with him sometimes, and I think. He always had that thing with Pochettino, and that's why Pochettino hated him. I think he used to revel in making somebody who he felt threatened by in Pochettino feel small. I think he always enjoyed doing that, because I think there is a nastiness and there is a competitiveness to Guardiola, and that's seen him succeed in the way he, he has done. And I think he does overextend himself sometimes especially against teams like Spurs who have been a bit of a thorn for him down the years we just have been and I I can't escape that feeling that like you say in that cup final is he just going to do that weird thing you know is he going to do that weird thing where he doesn't play De Bruyne or Foden where he just hands all the responsibility to a Mares or a or a Bernardo Silva for for whatever reason, you know, and ends up bringing on Foden or De Bruyne too late or what I I don't know whatever yeah. permutations, but some kind of lunatic fringe thing where he just thinks we don't need to take that this seriously, lads. It's Tottenham, and that's that's the moment. That's the kind of thing where somebody like Mourinho knows we can get at them and. When we've got somebody like Bale, who is that that big game player, he's done it. We've seen him do it in Cup Final, the Champions League final twice. Mm-hmm. Copa del Rey, he's going to be licking his lips, you know. And it's yeah, well, it's, it's exciting. We've said mate. this before, like when when everyone else is kind of sat around going, "Oh shit, it's City in a Cup Final." I'll be like, "Oh, lads, I've been here before. It's, it's just another game. Like you know, rely on me a bit more." That's when he when his experience and sort of his big game personality and everything comes into the fore the most, and especially, you know, teamed with Mourinho's experience, that's when that, that axis of, uh, of mentality, so to speak, um, comes into, uh, comes into the fore for us. But, you know, it is that, or, you know, we get beaten six nil by a far superior city team. It's, it's, that's, that's a distinct possibility as well. It is. Um, Let's just quickly, and before we do close it out, behind our eyes, because we said we were going to at the start. What was yeah, what's been your main problem chat. with it? <laughs> Essentially because it was uh, it was one TV programme for, what, four and a half episodes, and then it decided it was going to become a completely different one. And it's like it went from ITV at nine o'clock to the fucking sci-fi channel with no warning or sort of even a hint at what it was about to do in the most ridiculous, lazy, badly written sense I've ever seen in my life, like to the point where I will colour how I sort of review in real time shows that I'm watching with my missus because I don't want her to be offended by me saying this is absolute dirge and it's shit. Yeah. I literally paused the TV show at one point and looked at her and went, 
this is wank. Like, this is awful. <laughs> I want to turn this off now. And she's like, oh, no, we've watched so much of it. We have to watch it. And I'm like, I'm telling you now, this is awful. It, um, yeah. To the point where I um I tweeted something along those lines because I I'd, I'd doing some reading behind it, like, oh, who the fuck wrote this for a start? Apparently, it's based on a book that somebody since tweeted me and said, the book's awful. That kind of explains if the show's awful, why the fucking... You know, the, the source material's as bad. But I, I tweeted something along the lines of, you know, is the book as random and shit as the TV program is? Um, and she, unbeknownst to me, had texted her friend at the same time going, oh, you should watch Paris Rise on Netflix. But I'm friends with her fellow, and her fellow follows me on Twitter. So she texted my missus back and went, why the fuck would we watch it when your fellow's just slagged it off on Twitter? <laughs> what have you been tweeting about? And I was like, look, I'm just letting my real opinions out. And she's like, oh, fuck's sake. But uh, yeah, it's just... Spoiler alert, if you've not seen please don't watch it if you haven't seen it. And if you have seen it, they do this weird astral planing thing where, like, for four and a half episodes, it's a drama about somebody cheating on a husband and is he um, giving his wife the wrong medication? Is she actually mental? Is she not? Is she a druggie? Is she not? All this sort of shit. Like, uh, it's like a love triangle ITV drama um, sort of, your paint by numbers type of thing where, you know, it passes fairly easily enough. You're kind of going, oh, it's all going to end in a big hullabaloo at the end. And, oh, is the husband actually evil or is he the victim? All that sort of shit. And then it takes this wild fucking left turn where it suddenly turns, the wife may have superpowers where she can have out-of-body experiences and follow people and watch them and swap bodies with people. And None of it is earned, none of it is signposted, none of it is written well, and then the last hour and a half of it is just dog shit, and in, in the most nonsensical, stupid way possible. Like, it, yeah, it just it made me mad. Do you, do you know, because I've watched it as well, similar similar boat to you in terms of, like, you know, when Netflix stuff's on. I mean, let's let's be honest, it's, it's hybrid. I've been accused by Ricky of... Uh, of the the fine cook because I chat to him he's, he is an old friend of mine and like he he's accused me of only watching posh stuff is as, <laughs> as he put it and like I watch all manner of shite I watch anything and it's it's locked down right it, it, we all want to escape from it so you know I watched it Charles wanted to watch it I watched it along with her and I I sort of started to see the astral projection thing coming along when they were talking about lucid dreaming because, and I only know this from years back when I used to basically take drugs and I don't anymore. Um, (laughs) And I, I, I genuinely don't, but like when I used to, and I used to get a lot more into kind of stuff of the mind and the occult and esoteric, things when you start kind of like focusing on lucid dreaming and going down these channels of looking into it astral planning astral projection is like one of those things that will often arise with that so i sort of suspected it might be going along that way (coughs) but as you say the fact that the show was not at all billed as that like like you say, it, when you look at it, it's crime, drama, thriller. Yeah. And you look at it as in like, okay, so this is your sort of, like you say, fairly standard 
slightly problematic if you want to look at it kind of leveraging of like mental health in a really quasi intellectual Richard and Judy book club way which uh-huh. you know if we're going to get deep about it you know is dodgy but really in an entertainment sense we can kind of take it on face value as in this is what it is Largely harmless. crazy wife trope dodgy abusive husband trope is he isn't he is it six of one half a dozen of another love triangle whatever but then to suddenly just be like oh no we've got you now for four episodes in now we're just gonna take you on this weird sci-fi mystical thing that has been in no way hinted that that that's the tonality of the program Uh it's just not earned it isn't earned at all and i i just i I put the, the the thing is I actually feel like personally quite affronted by stuff like that because it's like you haven't you haven't engaged me on that level you haven't done that like yeah, that's you've not, taken five hours of my time yeah that's not what you said this is going to be like it's not fair don't watch it I don't I'm going to edit out a bit when you say spoiler alert if I'm glad it's spoiled for you because you shouldn't <laughs> be watching it we've done you a favor like don't watch it yeah and. Further to that, if you've actually watched it and enjoyed it, then please stop listening to the podcast. <laughs> I, don't, I don't trust your opinion or uh, ability to properly value things. Forever and always, that's it. You're not, yeah, you're not, you're not. That's a, that's the you're not rule the roost caliber. <laughs> yeah. Um, if you have enjoyed the podcast and we haven't just insulted you or chased you off because you enjoyed Behind Her Eyes more than this I've podcast. insulted my own fiance in saying that. That's true. Time. At least she doesn't want listen to this. At least I fucking hope she doesn't. You can uh, you can carry on listening to us. Listen to the old episodes on Acast, on Spotify, on Apple Music. Please, is it Apple? What is it Apple now? Podcasts, Apple Podcast. Apple Podcast now. It's okay. on Apple Jack. Right. Okay. Fucking hell, I'm out of touch now. Um, we are doing now doing like little Instagram lives. If you haven't seen on after games reactives to them, it's quite fun. It's quite fun. We 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 got called cringe the other day by somebody. I wasn't wasn't too fond of that actually. Um, so don't. We well, might be cringe. I'm not sure. Well, we're we're two. Know. We're one man approaching forty and one man approaching thirty of uh, jumping on Instagram live. But we don't do it like for any other reason than shit. We'd have texted to each other anyway. And we thought we've made an Instagram now. Let's try and use it's it in a fun manner for ten minutes. We don't try and take up too much of your time. We have a chat for 10 minutes and then Jack releases it. We're, we're, we're men on the internet. The world needs to hear our opinions. That's yep. it, essentially, isn't it? Like yep. It's it's the way it goes. Um, so, yeah, but you can follow us. What is it? Is it, what's the, it's just Ruler is Pod. Ruler is Pod. Um, and there's, you know, there's random little bits that Bradshaw myself puts up, but it is, yeah. Just follow it, basically. Give us an ego stroke. And uh, I've been putting out the, the audio of it as little podcasts as well, after the fact. So follow that. Leave us a nice review. Retweet the pods. And we'll put some more questions out in the near future. Come on, you birds. Thank you. 
Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.